She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. But it's also very sad when you think that at such a young age, their their brains are forming around these highly addictive apps, these, just the highly addictive device itself. And, um, and so the rest of their life, they're going to be trying to, to break those habits that they're, they're forming at such a young age. Welcome in to this edition of Making the Leap. Glad to have you here. Today we bring back a, a friend. For a, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to start handing out patches or jackets for uh, I don't know, multiple visits. A war, yeah, do a trophy something. Uh, yes. Jenny Gentles will be with us today. We're going to talk a little bit about something that's not, I guess, specific to Christian education, though it's certainly something that every school, public, private, uh, probably even homeschoolers are dealing mm-hmm. with, and that's phones, the pervasiveness of phones and uh, what schools' policies are or aren't and ages and so anyway, we'll get into some of that as well as some other cultural issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, always appreciate your reviews. We start today with um, a new review from Bobby Bearcat. That's probably an homage to our college, <laughs> I would guess. I'm thinking. That was our uh, mascot. <laughs> We're Northwest Missouri State grads, yes. and uh, Bobby Bearcat was our mascot. So I assume <laughs> this is probably from a fellow Northwest uh, alum. Yes. It uh, left a five-star review. Thank you. And said, the blessing to go through the exact same thing at the exact same time is not lost on me. It's nice to know that people are going through the same things we are. And uh, the help is immeasurable. Making the leap helps making the leap to private Christian education um, Which possible. Which is awesome. So how nice is that? That's from Bobby Bearcat. Yes. Thank you. So thank so you for that. I'm glad you're going through it. Um, I know it is tough. And it's, uh, yeah, it's why we started the podcast. And it's been fascinating to hear from so many people who have just boundless energy and passion for it it's, mm-hmm. it's becoming um well last week talking with the women that are starting the um school out of cameron like that's amazing watching yeah. the parents that are coming into you know we we now know of again there's uh, another family that we know that is moving their kids from public education into a christian education realm a different family that we know has reached out they're um, taking a tour of a school nearby and looking and it's just it's it's really a cool place to be at to see, to watch that journey unfold, knowing ours now is coming to the end of a two-year place. Like, it feels like yesterday a little bit. And then in some ways, I'm like, man, we have done a lot yeah. <laughs> in the two years with this and how we've seen um, our daughter grow and change, how you and I have grown and changed with just not this podcast piece, but having our daughter in that in that place um, has, just been, has just been incredible. And so I like getting the review, the feedback, knowing that there are parents. Jenny also like-minded. does a yeah, Jenny also does a podcast where she talks about the legislative aspects of this. So if students you're, over systems. If, yeah, if you're very mm-hmm. interested specifically in what states, um, what state capitals, what governors uh, at the federal level, what's happening legislatively in education. She's very steeped in we that. We don't do so much of that, yeah. but she does because she's near the swamp. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so that's kind and of And she's the, a huge, she's a good background in education policy and reform and things like she's, she's just very measured in her approach. I always enjoy talking with her. Um, so I, I would definitely check that podcast out for her as well. We are here today with Jenny Gentles, which who we've had on before. We are now our third, our third person. She's becoming a regular. She's a regular. <laughs> I think Jenny, you have the distinction of being our most frequent guest now. Congratulations, you get frequent flyer oh. miles. 
Thank you so much. I am honored, truly. Well, I know you're doing a lot of, you know, work in the podcast world. We talked with you actually when your your podcast launched. Um, I know I'm I'm watching the different things that you get involved in when you're with your work with um, the with IWF, which I think is just tremendous. That's Independent Women's Forum. I'm sorry, I forget. Not everybody knows all the acronyms. Yes. Um, but I was so, you know, reaching out to you and talking because I also, beyond all the political and all the, you know, that that world where it's just, I feel like, a constant barrage of information, more than that, and most importantly, you're a mom. Like, you're just a mom. You're like me. We, like, Chris is a dad. We just got these um, issues, I think, that are always surrounding our kids. And so I wanted to go ahead and, and have some conversation around the idea of just being a parent what that is like, the world of, you know, this Christian education world and what you're doing in that world with regards to the school that you have your daughter at. Yes, well, I feel very fortunate to have been able to enroll uh, both of my daughters in faith-based schools. Uh, We left the public school system when the public school system abandoned us, and that was during the school closures in 2020 and and really, the school stayed closed in my area for over a year. Uh, but then we realized we didn't want to return when the schools opened again. They were not uh, prioritizing academic instruction, and they were not uh, teaching anything that really mirrored the values of our family. And so I was able to find a K-8, to um, just sweet, small, faith-based school in Arlington, Virginia, where I live, um, and and that worked for both of my daughters last year, and then this year, my older daughter started high school. She's just finishing up ninth grade, and and I um, kept her in a in a faith based school, and and that's been the right fit for our family. And I again, I feel fortunate that we were able to afford that, mm-hmm. and it has inspired me as a school choice advocate to want to push even harder <laughs> to make sure that families have options so that they can all uh, take advantage of this. What's the status of things? in Virginia. Virginia became sort of the most famous of all the states for the fight over school choice. Mm -hmm. Glenn Youngkin's election sort of hinged on that as a subject. Is that still as white hot? I've heard from certain uh, school choice advocates that the issue has um, maybe it's not as uh, flashpoint as maybe it was a year ago. Have you noticed that or are the parents still engaged and as passionate on the issue? Well, I'd say that the parents are engaged and passionate when it comes to school choice and ensuring that they have options. And for sure, parents continue to be engaged in the desire to ensure that their local school districts are listening to them. Uh, The impression that I've gotten throughout Governor Youngkin's administration is that he's more focused on the latter. He wants to fix public schools. He wants to ensure that parents are heard. He wants to hold public schools accountable for the absolutely abysmal uh, learning loss and, and, and just really deeply upsetting test scores that you see coming out of the out of the pandemic. And um, he has not put really any effort into supporting um, what we think of as school choice or educational freedom. Does that surprise uh, you? Um, I I think I was paying close enough attention to the campaign to realize that he recognized that uh, that voters were animated by some cultural issues Mm -hmm. that were starting to get a lot of attention. If you think way back to 
way back to <laughs> when he was uh, running for office in 2021. It kind of seems like a, a lifetime right. ago. Um, the the issues around uh, critical race theory were were just getting a lot of attention, and um, and there was some attention around the sexually explicit and and books and some of the questionable mm-hmm. materials that were being put in, in front of children. That was a really animating issue for, for his race. And then uh, really a lot of, of parents voted for him because they were mad that schools were closed. And so mm-hmm. that kind of got lost in the cultural stuff. But I think he recognized um, as a candidate and now as a governor that that was very animating for parents. It mattered to them when schools were closed and it mattered that the schools stopped teaching their kids. And it matters that the test scores are are horrible and that that Florida or sorry, I'm from Florida, but I live in Virginia, (laughs) Virginia, you know, used to be uh, consider it consider itself like, you know, doing a pretty good job when it comes to public education. You can't say that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, We're bottom of the pack on on by some measures now um, with a, with a learning loss in the slide. And, um, and so those are the things that he's, he's focused on. He's a data guy too. So I think he just, you know, he's really gotten kind of gotten caught up in the, in the scores and the data. Um, And unfortunately governors in Virginia can only stay in office for one term, right? Like one, they can't run for a a subsequent term right afterwards. Um, So he's going to run out of time um, to start advocating for school choice. If he doesn't do that um, leading into the, to the next legislative session, I hope he will. Sounds like Winsome Sears is interested in stepping into that role though. I've interviewed her before and it sounds like she may, I don't know if she shares the same agenda, but I, I mean, ask you this, Jenny. I'm conflicted about this, and I know Christine probably is too, or maybe not. I don't mean to speak for you, but um, can we save, can we, you know, um, nibble around the edges and save and reconstruct public schools Mm -hmm. in our image, or are we more interested in fighting for choice to take our kids elsewhere? Where do you feel your energies are focused? Well, I, I think throughout my career, I've been pretty clear that uh, that we absolutely have to ensure that families have options to leave because um, systems do not turn around quickly. They are not responsive to the needs of individuals, whether that's students or parents, um, school school boards might flip as far as who's in charge, but they'll flip right back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've seen it over the years. Um, where I've shifted a little in, in my thinking on this is that absolutely we've got to push forward as hard as possible and ensure that families have options and advocate for school choice. But it's not just so that families can leave. I think that expanding school choice programs to these universal programs that we're seeing around the country is going to empower the families who really want to stay. Who are like, I love sending my kid <laughs> to school down the street. I, you know, I'm not one of those, but there are those families. I love that the kids in my neighborhood can walk to school together. That sort of geography is really important to them, but they don't have a voice. I think that these, when, when we see these big expansions for eligibility, those parents are going to be able to say to the school district, to the principal, to the bureaucrats, listen to me. Like, you have to start listening to me mm-hmm. because now I can and I will leave. And right. so that gives them leverage. And a voice. And just so, so we're clear, so, we're we're talking about just, just again because I just want to make sure we're everybody understands the terminology here. Only seven states, I think, Oklahoma most recently has just signed on to this, and this right. is the concept that you can take the money that the state allocates to your student 
and you can take it and spend it anywhere you see fit. So you'd be able to walk into your public school and say, hey, you want my kid's money? I want to give it to you, but I need some certain concessions from you or what have you. It gives the, the parent buying power is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Right. And so over, you know, over 30 states have private school choice programs, but that education savings accounts, ESAs, where you have the the pot of money that would have been allocated by the state to be spent on your child on a per pupil basis, that's set aside in an account, an education savings account, an ESA. It's a flexible account that you can draw down from for educational expenses, including tuition. Mm-hmm. It's often tuition, but also, as you said, those those other expenses. And uh, depending on who's counting, it's like 11 to 13 states have these ESAs. Okay. And, and this year, it's um, it's quite remarkable the number of states that have passed those those programs. I love hearing about those the states that are doing it. And of course, like you said, it brings up a lot of discussion, but the best thing about it is that competition piece of it. You want me to stay as a family in this public school, then you're going to need to meet me and and every other parent basically raise that bar, raise that level so that we have some of that healthy competition because we all know that competition can breed excellence. It can, it can be a catalyst to help turn some of these schools around, but it, like you said, it is going to be a process for sure. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd reached out to you. I'm really always intrigued by parents that, that are invested, no matter what the realm, invested in their kids' education. And you and I had talked a little bit, and you had said that there was an article, you sent it to me, I read it, um, that kind of spurred you to reach out to your principal um, at, your, at your daughter's school regarding the cell phone policy. And when I, when I read that from you, I very much felt that was important because I think it's important to stay involved whether you are sitting in a public school, whether you are moving your kids into like we have ours moved in you know, or move our daughter moved into a Christian school, staying connected with what is happening with our schools and what their decisions are, regardless of whether, you know, you feel like that sense of relief, like, oh, I've got my child where, you know, we've got some like-minded families, everything's going to be okay. But you always want to stay involved and you always want to stay connected. And I think when you said you reached out to your principal, I I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit because this cell phone issue, the social media issues, these are huge when we're talking about our kids. I think we have these public school issues, but at a at a broader level, we have a real a real issue going on with what's happening in our kids with their phones or lack of phones well, or we should mention the social piece. media. Um, yes. It's in the free press. It's headlined, The Parents Saying No to Smartphones, How You Help Them Learn to Be Present in a Task with a Relationship. One of the top challenges of a generation, part of that is saying no. This is a lengthy piece. It prints off to be about 17 pages, Jenny. But uh, you read this piece, and uh, it inspired you to to engage in your own school on this front. Well, it absolutely did. And actually, I was writing to thank my school. Well, one of them. So again, I've got I've got a child in a in a sweet little K to eight faith based school, and then mm-hmm. I have another child in a large Catholic high school. Mm-hmm. And that that K to eight school does not allow cell phones. And they had to send out a reminder to, to parents, look, this is uh, part of our policy. And we we don't want this to be part of the culture of our school. Do not send your your device um, with the child. For the 
some of the kids, you know, they might be staying after school for aftercare and mm-hmm. um, they might need to, to reach their parents at some point. They can put cell phones in their in their backpack. Um, but th- th- there absolutely are, are no cell phones in classrooms, uh, certainly not in the hallway, not in the lunchroom or mm-hmm. at research, recess. And that I just feel so uh, grateful <laughs> that I've got a sixth grader there who is going to go through middle school without seeing cell phones in her school. Mm-hmm. And when I read an article like this, you know, it's the parents saying no to smartphones. It's clear that that is not the culture in most schools. Mm-hmm. And the article was largely focused on on public schools. It's, um, and that the parents have not been saying no and the schools have not been saying no. And now we're in trouble. It's like we're years down the road mm-hmm. since the smartphone has been invented and we're, we're, we're seeing just the the damage that's been done. These kids can't concentrate. Their social skills are abysmal. They're addicted to these phones. They're staring at them as they walk through class or walk through the hallways. Mm-hmm. They're staring at them at lunch instead of talking to each mm-hmm. other. Um, and they're they're uh, they have access to content that I mean, parents have got to wake up and realize is extremely explicit and extremely addictive. Um, and so to be in a, in a small private school that's, in, that's gently but firmly <laughs> say, reminding <laughs> parents, it's a no. It uh-huh. might be a yes in your home, but mm-hmm. it's a no in our school. It's just a real blessing, and, I, and I'm so grateful for that. This, I think, oh, yeah. go ahead. Well, no, just this piece says many mm-hmm. parents say they don't want their kids to develop the same dysfunctional relationship with technology that they have. Uh, a direct quote, they don't realize they, the kids, they don't realize they have a problem, even though they're on their device for right. 18 hours a day and flunking out of school because most addicts don't see their addiction as a problem when they're in the middle of it. And yet you will hear parents say, I've heard it myself, uh, oh, I, you know, you can't possibly take little so-and-so's phone away. I have to be able to reach them. <laughs> uh, it's such a weird mentality, but it's, it's true. I mean, a lot of adults insist their kids have them, which is an odd thing to me, but um, it's very real. Yeah, the article says by age 12, seven out of 10 American kids own a smartphone. So that's not a phone, like a flip phone. Right. That's a smartphone. Um, that's staggering to me, just if you think about the expense, uh, keeping, you know, keeping up the, a cell phone, cell phone plan and then also buying the, the smartphones for, for children. But it's also very sad when you think that at such a young age, their, their brains are forming around these highly addictive apps, these, just the highly addictive device itself. And, um, and so the rest of their life, they're going to be trying to, to break those habits that they're, they're forming at such a young age. Uh, this absolutely is impacting classroom instruction, you know, when teachers are trying to get the attention of their, their students, and the students are staring at their phones instead. That's uh, unfortunate. Of course, they're disruptive if students are sharing videos with each other instead mm-hmm. of paying attention to to the teacher. Um, it, it can be disruptive for for classroom projects if you know the kids are asked to work in teams and one child might be trying to do the assignment, the other kids are staring at their phone. It just <laughs> again, you know, the phone, yeah. the phone, the phone. It's taking away from from instruction. So an encouraging thing in the article is that an increasing number of school districts, uh, they cite Ohio, Maryland, Colorado, and some other states, have banned the devices in class. But it sounds like enforcement is not going particularly right. well. 
I think that's probably yeah. one of the hardest things. I know at the beginning of this past school year, our junior and senior came home and they, <laughs> they were horrified by the cell phone policy that was being enacted at their school. They're at a public school um, and they, <laughs> they came home and they were like, what is this craziness? And I remember we were all sitting outside, we were talking and they just thought it was ludicrous. And our daughter just laughed and she said, welcome to my world. We don't get a phone at lunch and here and there, you know, cause she's in this different environment. And I said, well, if, you know, I'm not going to argue. I think it's absolutely fantastic. They, you, they shouldn't, teachers shouldn't have to compete, you know, no matter what, whatever realm it is, public, private, it doesn't matter to me. No one should have to compete with a device for, you know, for that learning time. That's important. And so they were telling us, you know, well, the teachers said they're going to have a, I don't know, like a hanging you know, some like hanging bag and we all have to put our phones in there and then we can pick them up at the end. And then, but then one of them said, well, my so-and-so teacher said, he's not even going to bother. We're, we can keep our phones as long as we don't have them out. And so I thought, well, right there that you're shooting yourself in the foot. The school is going to have mm-hmm. a battle no matter what. And I'm sure some of that comes from parents at home, their own, the teacher's own opinions about it, if they feel they can still engage the kids without worrying about it, if it's not worth the hassle. And I think that's a lot of it comes down to, you know, you're there to teach, but now you have to be a, you know, a quote unquote, a police officer. You have to, you know, be on top of it all the time. And it's, it's so hard, I think, for teachers to be in that position, especially when they have parents behind them saying, my kid can keep their phone, no problem. You're not going to, you know, take that from me. So I love that there is enforcement at your daughter's school because that is, I think, you know, you talk about that proverbial line in the sand. I think we all, we parents, we're going to have, you're going to have to continually do it. Teachers, administrators are going to have to do it and figure out, you know, where, where that line is going to be. Yeah. The uh, Surgeon General, Jenny, Vivek uh, Murthy, uh, said, yeah, finally, I, this just this, this was just, just um, mm-hmm. May 23rd. U.S. Surgeon General issues major advisory on social media use and teens' mental health, uh, warning an urgent public health issue regarding social media usage and uh, kids' mental health. Uh, the advisory comes weeks after the American Psychological Association issued sweeping recommendations intended to help teenagers use social media safely. This particular story references kids all the way up to 19 years mm-hmm. of age. So... Um, and I've certainly seen it. I mean, look, yeah. if I had it to do all over again, um, I wouldn't have given our kids phones as early as we did, but no. we did. Um, you're telling us that your kids do not have them, I trust, given the, the things you've said, I, I'm guessing? Well, th- uh, this, is, this is something that I, I want to make sure that parents are clear on. Flip phones still exist. Yeah. So if your concern <laughs> is that you need to be able to reach your child, you can get them a flip phone. And I think the parents forgot that, right? Like they thought, well, technology moved on. And Mm -hmm. so if if I'm going to get a child a phone so that I can reach my child, so I can coordinate with my child when we're doing pickups and activities, it has to be a smartphone, but it doesn't. And my daughter is the least cool when it comes to phones (laughs) in her high school. She, uh, to her, to her way of telling it, she's the only one with a flip phone. Um, but from what I've seen in another article I read recently, it's actually becoming a trend. So I'm letting her know that she's a retro <laughs> nice. trendsetter. Um, does your daughter give you a hard time it? about it? Does she, I mean, does not she really. beg you about it or not really? No, no, not really. She sees when you don't have the cell phone, your, your head's not down as yep. you're shuffling through the it's hall true. and you see, you look around and you see what's going on. And, and when you read like she does, I mean, like 
and still have your powers of concentration, hmm. you notice the difference between yourself and other kids who cannot focus, who cannot concentrate, and um, and and she doesn't want that. Yep. So, uh, like to be honest, if she's on a group text or whatever, it just goes to to my phone because you know she can't see the sure. fun little things that people share. So, <laughs> you know, she she does she does use my cell phone for. Um, for group texts and and whatnot, and you know, I'd want for want her to stay plugged in um, for for those sorts of things. But I do want parents to know there are alternatives out there. There are flip phones, and apparently they're coming back, <laughs> like a retro cool thing. Um, and and this this article that we were talking about, the parents mm-hmm. saying no to smartphones. They right. mention uh, a phone that that uh, looks like a smartphone, but actually just has features for texting, calling, and a GPS track tracker. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kid's not going to be on TikTok melting their brain, um, <laughs> but, but I guess they won't, you know, look as uncool because they, their, their phone looks kind of like, like other phones. I like that. Um, the wait till eighth pledge. I mean, again, you know, we're, we're past that that piece. Um, but I have seen a lot, I've heard a lot of parents taking that wait till eighth pledge, wait till you get, you know, just to at least a point of a little bit of awareness in your child of what they have access to, what they can see. Um, and I thought, well, that's also a start. I, I'm, I'm always a fan of just for a parent that's hesitant or not sure, like a baby step your way on into it. So, you know, if if you feel like, oh, I can't do that, well, maybe you can wait till eighth instead of sixth, or maybe you can wait till seventh instead of fifth. You know, I, I think programs like that, or, you know, just those mini little online pledge type things, I think they're, they're a start. And they, they let parents know they're not alone in that also, because it does become something hard. I know we used to take our kids' phones um, in well, I remember it was actually early high school and they were, they hated it, hated it, hated it. They were the only ones whose parents took the cell phones at night. And we were like, well, you don't need them in your room. You know, you don't have that. And anytime I could find a parent who also did the same thing, it felt so, it, it just felt good to just have that camaraderie a little bit, you know, you know, it's just a nice thing to have. So I, I, that in that article, when they, that wait till eighth, I thought was an interesting a good a good idea. I've seen little pieces of it here and there. I thought that was a good idea too. Yeah, I I definitely want to learn more about that initiative and I liked the idea that another father in the article mentioned that he had parents at his child's Catholic school sign the pledge. Um and 45% yeah. of them yes, signed, that's signed what the it pledge. Said. Yeah encouraging like uh kids to to wait until till they're older to to have phones and that's where that's where we need to all come together the parents in the school need to be working together parents should not be working against uh, against school policies when schools are trying to get these these phones out of the kids hands um and uh, parents should be working together so that, that parents aren't feeling alone when they're trying to uh, delay the phone or, in my case, you know, simplify the, the technology. <laughs> does your, so your older daughter, her school does not have a policy like that. Did you approach the principal at all on that? They have a policy where you're not allowed to have the, the cell phones with with you uh, okay. in the in the classroom. So they have the pouches. That, yes, that you that's mentioned. what I was trying to think of the right term. Yes, the pouch, <laughs> the bags with the pouches. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I mean, yeah. It, yeah and I did I did contact the school about that uh, because it, it sounds like as we've got to the gotten to the end 
of the school year, the enforcement maybe mm. hasn't been right. as strict. And I, I wanted to check in with them to see, hey, you're going to start the school year strong. Like, I encourage <laughs> you to do that. I'm on your team. Yes, which is good for the, anybody to hear. I think everybody, you know, I think that is something parent, teachers need to hear from. I'll just say to you anecdotally, this is, again, our experience. Mm-hmm. Here's what I know is true. Every time we took phones from our kids yep. as punishment, um, <laughs> right. and, and we would do that, um, I, you know, just being perfectly honest with you, particularly our oldest, um, I, I noticed a, an immediate change in his ability to focus in his attitude just generally. And I don't think he'd ever confess to that, mm-hmm. but I know as a parent, I saw it instantly. He, he changed immediately. It was like a trance was broken. I, I don't even know that you agree with that assessment, but I just saw him. <laughs> in fact, I've asked them before, you know, could we go on a fishing trip for the weekend and just leave the phone locked away? I think they could, but it would be real hell for them. <laughs> I, I, right. And I, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to say. In retrospect, these yeah. are things as a parent that I've I've learned too late. Right. Uh, but boy, if I could pass something on to parents, there, there there shouldn't be any rush to this smartphone thing. You're absolutely right, Jenny. Well, I think that you've got all the studies to back you up now. That's yep. where right. it's hard. Yep. You know, with, for those of you with older teenagers, mm-hmm. you were just kind of going along with the tide, but, um, we've got, we've got studies, we've got TikTok, you know, it had to get really, really bad, yep. to, right. to really highly addictive algorithms, the very clear harm to, uh, girls, to, to female adolescents when you're, when you're talking about, um, eating disorders and then also girls getting sucked down into the, to the, um, trans identities and gender fluid identities. It, these, these things became very clear in the last really it seems like two years. Um, and, and so now we're very slow to figure out what are we going to do about it? I mean, we waited, um, we, we need, waited till middle school. I mean, Jenny, we waited till middle school and I thought we were being strict. Well, we were actually like, and we were, we were one of the last. And I, I mean like <laughs> middle school and I, and I thought, oh, well, we're not, we're not going to be one of these unreasonable people that gives our elementary school kids <laughs> phones. But I, I, you know, I, I really, uh, middle school was too early in hindsight, but Whatever. I know it's a weird, it's a weird place, but I, I appreciate it because I do, I do think as we're talking about school options and school choice and all these different, you know, there's so much to consider, but what we have going on in our kids' brains is so, I mean, it's just, it's dramatic. This growth, the, you know, this development is so dramatic. What we're putting into our kids' um, social realms is dramatic. And I just, I really liked when you said, I wrote a letter in support of our, you know, to our principal. And I just thought that's awesome. And this article was really great. And then this, you know, a new study was released and I just thought all of it kind of came together for good. And so I, I, I wanted to do this as a way to encourage other parents. And what a great refresher, well. Jenny Gentles, that you wrote a letter of uh, positive yes, reinforcement. Yes. I, I don't know how much uh, teachers and administrators get letters of, Hey, thank, <laughs> thanks for being tough. Thanks for doing the hard thing. Yeah. That's an important point. Well, I heard right back, so I believe that the principal was was happy to get that positive feedback. But we do need to tell them when uh, we're grateful for the mm-hmm. option to attend this school, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then the opportunity, um, and that we're grateful for the, the direction that they're providing. I, I think that that's that's really important. I don't take it for granted, you no. know, when you've had a an option that wasn't working for your child. You don't take the one that is working yes. and the and the policies that are aligned with your values yes. for granted ever okay. again. Oh, one agree. other thing to mention is that is that some school districts are suing some of these social media companies. Yes, I've so, read that. So like we need to as parents, we need to recognize that these school districts 
and these schools are trying to put these policies in place to cut down on on this phone addiction and the distraction that they are providing and that they are literally like suing the social media companies for the the harm that they're doing to students. So as parents, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like we, it can't just be the schools and the school districts. No, with their and policies it shouldn't and their ever lawsuits. be just the schools or school districts. It should be the parents, at least, you know, on their front doing what they can. Absolutely. No, I think that's important. Yeah. And I definitely want to keep track of that because that's, <laughs> I don't want the schools like anything else, like every other issue. I don't want them stepping in to be doing the job that we as parents need to be well, doing. We should be doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jenny Gentles, it's been a pleasure catching up with you again. Thanks for your insights today. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always great to talk to you. Where where, where can people find you uh, best? Where would you prefer? I know you get your own uh, podcast as well, but uh, and you do some writing. Where would you recommend people go? Well, I do have the Students Over Systems podcast where I talk to largely policymakers about mm-hmm. education freedom policies. And then over at iwf.org slash EFC, you can find the work of our Education Freedom Center. Perfect. Thank you so much again for taking the time to talk with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. I always enjoy talking with her. I think I'm going to make a little award. Like she's our, our going to be our, our recurring person. She great really insights. has. And a great reminder mm-hmm. um, to take a minute to say thanks for the hard work you're putting in at this school to keep us on the rails and, and set a different standard than the rest of the world. That's I was thinking important. about that a lot. Like I, I think we, you know, so many parents, I think we're looking for a place to go, you know, coming out of COVID and things like that. And they put their kids in and, you know, there's, you have to adjust to the expectations that are that are there in front of you and so for a school if it's a no cell phone policy or if it's a a stricter dress code or whatever it is you're you're buying into that you're agreeing to come alongside that and if you are seeing what you're seeing and you want to support it I think they need to recognize or be recognized for that you know if it's I don't know I, I just think things like that are important we can't just put them in the school, whatever option it is. You've removed them from one and put them in somewhere else and then forget when they're when they're trying hard. And the same goes for the public school systems. You know, I, you know, if the, <laughs> if our kids had actually gotten in trouble in high school for having a cell phone in class when they shouldn't, uh, fine by me, go ahead yeah. and take it. I will happily shut it off here. You know, we, we definitely would come alongside that because just in conversation when they want to pick up a phone and we're talking, I want to go through the roof. And it, that's as a parent at home. And I think they know. I mean, I just kind of send that glare and <laughs> and they know. And I think most teachers would prefer having that um, support and that acknowledgement. Let us know how you're dealing with phones and issues like that. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. I don't know uh, if you have a school policy on that, if you have a at-home policy on that, if your kids still don't have cell phones and you're going to keep it that way. Uh, the flip phone Jenny mentioned mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. I'd love to hear, We always <laughs> love to get your feedback. Uh, let I us guess. know how you're handling this. Or maybe it's house. the opposite. Maybe your school is like, nope, we need, not only do you, our phones fine, but we, you know, you need to access everything. Yep. through a phone if you don't have an iPad or what you know that kind of thing so maybe it's even the opposite and maybe that's a struggle as well you can send us any kind of feedback any kind of info we have um, an email address that you can use hello at making the leap podcast.com you can go ahead and contact us on social media uh, Facebook and Instagram at making the leap podcast Twitter at making underscore the underscore leap podcast thanks um, for your any, reviews yes yeah, so I was your gonna reviews, say your reviews downloading Those- 
written reviews at uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify now has uh, comments. What did you think about this episode? So if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave uh, remarks and comments. And the five-star reviews are very helpful. Always sharing this, too, is, is great it's help. It's wonderful. Subscribe so, so you don't miss an episode, too. Subscribe. Sure. Thank you. And we will be back with you next week. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.